Help us keep the music going. Welcome to the Music Room, the podcast dedicated to keeping music alive in primary and elementary schools throughout the world. I'm Mark Lee, and I'm passionate about ensuring that schools provide an environment where children are given an opportunity to foster a love for music and have a chance to express it. Together with my guests, we're here to help teachers and parents by sharing information, tips and techniques from music education experts and practising music teachers. So let's get into it. The Music Room Podcast is proudly sponsored by Bushfire Press. And my very special guest this week is international lecturer and practitioner in the Orff-Schulwerk approach, Mr Christoph Mobach. And Christoph is going to talk to us today about where words and music and children all meet. Thank you, Mark. It's really nice to chat with you. And it's really nice that I can contribute to this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in the Orff-Schulwerk approach for a number of reasons, but one of the main reasons is that this particular approach for music in schools and in primary schools um, incorporates music, movement and dance, and spoken word, as well as instrument playing, and all of that in a playful manner. I'm particularly attracted at the moment to the idea of spoken word in music education. It doesn't seem to be so obvious. When we think about music education, we often think about instrumental music making, maybe listening to music, singing, children in classrooms playing percussion instruments. So how does the idea of words and music fit into that? I feel particularly attracted to that. Um, you know, I found out here too, as much as in uh, Australia, where I lived for 28 years, um, that primary school teachers in particular need to cover the area of language literacy. And it's a big topic in their life. Um, primary school teachers are asked to do everything. Um, and language literacy is somewhere in the center of all of what they're required to do. What if there were a music education opportunity that would involve the combination of words, language literacy, getting to know how words sound, playing with words, and at the same time, learning aspects, aspects of music education. I find that really attractive. This is where a teacher can begin with something that she or he is doing in the classroom, with poetry, with sentences, with words, with the sound of words, with letters, and all of what belongs into the realm of language education. This is where a teacher could begin and end up with a fully, with a fully fledged musical piece at the end of 20 minutes or half an hour. Mm. I find that quite attractive. Mm. So one of the things um, you know, that, that I see near the beginning of such a journey is using a small piece of poetry and um, having the children involved in saying and chanting the poem, maybe beginning with one musical instrument like a hand drum to embellish the content that this poem delivers maybe taking it a little bit further, you know, asking the whole group 
of speaking the poem softly, then speaking it loudly, adding other instruments, maybe adding movement. You know, this is where I see words and music being of benefit in, in a journey where we learn. And we learn not only about the language there and the speech, we learn about music as well in such a, in such a way. I'm wondering whether it would be useful, Mark, if I give a little example. Yeah, so, you know, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So when I go, uh, I mean, as part of my so-called retirement, I go into kindergartens and schools here and I'm having a really good time because I'm going back to the beginning of my career as a teacher. I sit on the floor with five-year-olds, with six-year-olds, and one day um, I may have gone in um, on a rainy day and I might have said something like this. It rained on Anne. It rained on Fran. It rained on Annabella. <laughs> it didn't rain on Mary Jo. She had a huge umbrella. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. So, I love it. And, and, and even while we were doing this and while I was doing this, some of the children were already imitating with their hands how you can pop up an umbrella above your head. Mm, mm. Then I asked them, oh, that looks really good. Could we all try that again? And you know, everybody would, at the right moment, she had a huge umbrella, it said in the text, everybody would pop up their arms and open an imaginary umbrella. That was the starting point where participants, where the children realized, oh, this is for us. Mm. We are invited to participate in this. Mm. So then we used our fingers on the hands to create a little drizzling rain that quite easily comes in New Zealand. And, <laughs> uh, and you know, and, and then we, we might add some pitter-pattering sounds with our hands to add more rain. It rained on Anne, it rained on Fran. So it was a free-flowing text, a free-flowing poem that did not have any particularly strong beat or rhythmical structure, mm. but we were able in our own time, slowly to embellish the words, add movements, add sounds. And we were lucky, the kindergarten had a few hand percussion instruments. I was able to invite the children to use these as well. Mm. So that's one particular area where I would think words and music can help, can be of help for a teacher to cover both areas, language literacy, um, articulation, speech, um, understanding of words, understanding of meaning of words, and adding the musical aspects to that. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm uh, wondering here where, when, uh, when teachers are looking for text to use, if they're not making up their own and, and they're looking for something to grab, would the essential thing be keep it short? It yeah, I think that's a great question. That's a great point. So, yeah, one of the parameters that helped me to prepare something like that is, is it short enough that young children can remember it relatively easily mm. and so that we can use the lyrics or the text mm. or the speech without having initially to look at the printed word. The printed work, 
yeah. may well be an outcome, language literacy, a little later. We look at the printed word. But first, we, we taste, if I can use it, that we mm -hmm. taste the sound of the word. We feel the sound of the word. Mm -hmm. We embellish uh, the word. And by doing so, we get into the meaning of the word. What's it like when it rained on air? What does it mm -hmm. feel like? What kind of rains do we know? What is a drizzling rain like? You know, what's a thunderstorm like? So all these things can come from that creatively. Yes, I would think, um, you know, one, one of the criteria is probably the better word, is um, it, it ought to be something that, that is easily accessible for everybody. Mm. Mm. At a later stage, in later years, maybe the text can be longer, but you know, the age group that I described can afford to have three, four liners and things mm. like that. Mm. Mm. So maybe what I would want to add to as another dimension, pardon me, is this. There is, of course, also the opportunity to, to use text, spoken words, speech rhymes that have a rhythmical quality, mm. that have an underlying pulse or beat. And, and the joy of... Um, of engaging with such speech work may not only may not only lie in you know discovering the meaning, learning more about the meaning and embellishing the sound, but it may be in the sheer rhythmical qualities of something like um, uh, you know Peter, Peter, if you're able, get your elbows off the table. This is not <laughs> a whole table, but a ritzy dining table. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Um, They're a year four, a year five group, a year six group can pull out some of the words, make them into loops, mm. repeat them over and over again as an accompaniment, enjoy the fun aspect of the meaning, and simply play around with that in a rhythmical fashion. That's mm. another dimension that I would think um, also provides a possibility for teachers to combine words and music. Mm. Yes, yes, indeed. And yeah, and uh, at that stage, perhaps some of them might be contributing their own text, their own poem, or their own their own little rhyme. You know. yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what a great idea! Um, you know, I, I remember some of the sessions we did in that context here in New Zealand, um, where we ask youngsters to learn how a Japanese haiku is constructed. Oh, yeah. How many okay. syllables in the first line, how many, and then they wrote their own haiku. And some of them were really so evocative. They, we were able to use them, you know, for, for music making. Mm. I mean, I really like that idea. Absolutely. That's yeah. That's that's really something. Mm. Gee, you're you're really crossing all sorts of territories there, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, words, you know, words can easily be made into music, and you know, uh, another possibility is that when children are a little older, they can they can make words sing. So instead of using let's say, a line of a poem that says, um, the wind makes lots of noises, it sniffs, it puffs, it whines. Ordinarily, a teacher and a group of children might recite it like that, yes. But then, 
you know, children and their teacher might come up with the idea of completely changing the words and changing the sounds of the words so that the words themselves show what's inside the poem. The wind makes lots of noises. Mm. It sniffs. It puffs. It whines. Yeah? And just use the voice to, to play around with that. And the next step would be, I would have thought, um, how do we depict this? What kind of graphic notation can we come up with when we do something so unusual and creative, like changing the word wind or noise into something entirely different? How can we then write that? How can we depict that on a piece of paper? So when we go that pathway, well, we are well and truly into understanding symbol systems. This is how we could um, develop the relationship between sound and symbol. Mm, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's, which is uh, uh, bringing the symbols in after the fact, if you like, is, is pretty, yeah. is a very off principle, isn't it? I mean, you yeah, don't. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Yeah. Sound mm. before symbol. And then, and then maybe after that experience, then we can go the other way around. The teacher might provide a score on the whiteboard or, um, or on a piece of paper and say, now have a look at these words and these peculiar signs that I visit. What would that sound like if we were to interpret that? Mm. That could be another pathway. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Goodness. Oh, it's a, well, it's a wealth of stuff to think about there. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, uh, I'm put in mind of um, uh, Dr. Mark Carthew, who uh, is fascinated by the meeting of words and music, and um, he has his own take on it. So we, we must get him on one day as well. Perhaps we can get yeah. you both on to have a chat, yeah. have, have two, uh, two top brains talking about it. That would be really good. <laughs> yeah, it'd be lovely. You know, I would enjoy that. And, you know, it's, um, it's certainly a wonderful possibility. And, you know, music educators are not alone in crossing these borders or inventing these new pathways to make arts. Um, when we look around modern and contemporary art forms, theater, dance, drama, even music pieces, Contemporary examples um, of that exist, where uh, suddenly in a, in a modern opera, somebody might just recite some words as part of the, the operatic uh, piece. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's certainly something that is not, uh, it's certainly something that is connected, to use positive language, to the reality of art making. Mm -hmm. We're not somewhere inventing something that doesn't exist. No, we're doing something because the arts move on and the arts become broader, wider and more contemporary. We're doing something that happens. Thank you very much, Christoph. And uh, we're going to have your, um, your contact details on the show notes so that people can, in fact, contact you. Um, okay. Uh, now, at the end of our podcast, we usually leave uh, with a, a hint or a tip on music for music teachers. And this week, it's coming from Alison Lunnett in 
uh, Maryborough, Queensland, and it's uh, all about using uh, displays in your music room. Uh, we, you will also find on the on the uh, the show notes uh, and on the website you will find our re- musicians' recipe of the week. And this week it comes from uh, the. Hang on, I've got the wrong person. Here it is. It comes from Rossini, and it is his famous tornados, which are a huge fillet steak. Uh, smothered in all sorts of glazed fruits and juices and things, and it's really wow. sinful. And don't <laughs> don't eat it. Just look at the recipe. We should not be eating that much meat. All right. And and finally, a quote. And this quote is from Leopold Stokowski, who said, "A painter paints on canvas, but musicians paint their pictures on silence." Thank you for joining the Music Room Podcast with me, Mark Leahy. For show notes and other resources, please visit us at musicroom.net.au. And while you're there, subscribe to future episodes so that you can help us keep the music going. I'd love to invite you to join the Free Bushfire Press Community Facebook page too, where you can get more tips and techniques, ask questions and stay abreast of Music Room events. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with teaching colleagues and school parents. If you have a question or a subject you'd like covered on the podcast or have a recommendation for a guest to interview, please contact me at mark at bushfirepress.com. The Music Room Podcast is part of the Experts on Air Podcast Network and is brought to you by Bushfire Press.